today. Uh, so as a part of our worship time each week, we spend uh, a, quite a portion of our gathering here studying God's Word. We believe that God's Word has the power to change lives. It's not just an ancient uh, text from the past, but it is God's living and active Word, and, it's, and it, will, it will change your life. And so we are in a, a series of messages over the parables of Jesus. Jesus uh, often taught using stories, and, and, and they were more than just uh, uh, earthly stories with heavenly meanings. What Jesus is doing in the parables, he's giving us a glimpse of the world as God sees it. He's letting us see reality from his father's point of view. And and God defines reality. And so these parables help us understand what is real and what is actual and what is eternal and what is lasting. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a parable today from Luke chapter 18, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. You'll find that on page 877 of your church Bibles. If you don't have a copy of God's Word to call your own, underneath the tray, uh, underneath your chair is a tray, and you'll find a, a copy of the Scripture. And uh, you can, if you don't have a copy of the Bible, just put your name in that Bible and take it home as a gift from from this church family. And we're going to look at a parable, uh, the title of uh, the parable as it's stated in the scripture, it's subtitled The Parable of the Persistent Widow. I'm going to twist that just a little bit and edit that. I'm going to, here's the tag for this message today. Persevering faith, how a feisty lady thrashed a wicked judge. Okay, that's where we're going today. So if your middle name is Feisty, Well, this is for you, okay? And this is for us. Here it is. Hear these words from the Word. And he, that is Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down. By her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of the Lord. 
Now, as we consider this passage this morning, here's where we're going. Um, I, I, I want us to see the, you know, the, the big idea up front here in this parable. So I want us to consider the, the, the main point of the parable. And then, and then we'll get into the parable's content itself. A- and then we'll, we'll see some context. All right. Usually what we try to do is set the stage and show the context and then walk through the parable and then get to a big idea. But we're going to do this a little differently this morning because the, the parable is a little different this morning. All right. So, so we're going to see the parable's point, the parable's content, and the parable's context. That's where we're headed today. So let's first get to the point. Get to the point, preacher. Well, Jesus does. That's verse 1. You see that? It's right there. Uh, This is one of three parables of all the parables that Jesus told, probably around 40. Three of them, he front loads the big idea. And here's the big idea. Always pray and don't lose heart. See that? That's pretty straightforward, folks. Always pray and not lose heart. Uh, So whatever comes next, we already know the point. Always pray and never give up. Never quit. Never lose hope. Uh, never, never stop. And how? Through prayer. Big idea. Persevering prayer is the path to enduring faith. Say that with me. Persevering prayer is the path to enduring faith. One more time. Persevering prayer is the path to enduring faith. Jesus tells this parable because he knows our proclivity to discouragement and the loss of heart. He knows that his church will be tempted to lose heart in life. He knows that at some point in their walk with him, they're going to have to swim against the current of life. You know this. There are seasons of life when we swim with the current and then there are seasons you got to swim against the current i had a friend i had a conversation with this past week and he reminded me randy don't ever confuse brains with the bull market in other words don't ever think that your intelligence or your strength or your know-how is all that's giving you the success you have no 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 yes you may you've got smarts but but you also may be reaping the benefits of circumstances beyond your control in the book of genesis god told joseph that egypt would enjoy seven flourishing years seven bumper crop years yeah But then following that, there was going to be seven years of famine. Now, Joseph was no smarter because of the years of abundance, and he was no dumber from the years of austerity. Both abundance and austerity were beyond Joseph's control. His task was to act wisely. Our task is to act wisely. Persevering prayer is what we do to act wisely. That's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So the temptation to quit is real and powerful and unavoidable. Every person will inevitably face quitting points in life and it doesn't matter how long you've walked with the lord 
No one, no one is immune to losing heart. All of us, all of us will face quitting points in life. H.B. Charles Jr. is a pastor in Jacksonville, Florida, and he has an excellent book called It Happens After Prayer. It Happens After Prayer. And in that book, he describes quitting points. He talks about personal quitting points where you've given all you can give. You feel like this is, I can't give anymore. Or you've taken all you can take. I can't take anymore. You just feel like you're done. Is anybody there? There's relational quitting points. You feel like you just can't go further with your friends or your boss or your colleagues or your kids or your spouse. You just can't I just can't anybody there there's moral quitting points where you are tempted to take a moral shortcut cheating seems to pay so well and doing the right thing seems to cost so much and you're tempted to just take that take that shortcut moral quitting points anybody there And then there's spiritual quitting points. And this happens when your faith flags and when you feel like quitting on God. Someone's here today. Your health isn't what you'd like. Your job isn't what you'd like. Your family isn't what you'd like. Your marriage isn't what you'd like. And you're just saying, I don't need this God. And you just think you'd be better off if you quit. And it's during those quitting points, whatever they are, we need to learn to sing with the psalmist. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. He is my salvation and He is my God. Now how do we do that? How do we put our hope in God? How do we push beyond those quitting points? Jesus tells us we must always pray and never lose heart persevering prayer is the path to enduring faith prayer is the pathway we must walk it's an activity we must do it's a practice we must learn prayer is how we persevere when we're tempted to quit now that's the big idea so jesus then talks about this parable of this feisty lady and this wicked judge I knew a man, Jesus said, who was a certain judge who lived in a certain town. Now, now in first century Israel, justice uh, was typically not administered by a jury of one's peers. It's typically just a bench trial. That is, the, the judge heard the case, and, you know, heard the, the plaintiff, and then heard the defense, and then the judge gave the verdict. That's how it worked. And, and the courtroom, the court area was typically at the gates of the city very public place and that's where the people would gather around these judges and you had to wait your turn to present your case and the judge was in a position of power so he could decide which cases to hear and which could wait and Jesus tells us what kind of judge this character is you see that right he's 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 crooked is what he is 
He's the antithesis of loving God and loving others. He doesn't fear God. He lives like there is no God. And he has absolutely no respect for people. He's shameless. He's shameless. Today, today, if, if we want to help direct our children, we'll say, now, Billy, don't do that. That's wrong. We will appeal to right and wrong. But 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, the parents would say, Billy, don't do that. That's shameless, you see. So, so it was an honor-shame culture. But there are people who can't be shamed. And that's how bad this guy was. He, there was nothing anybody could do to shame him or embarrass him. He had no respect for people. He takes bribes. He shows partiality. You give him some money and he'll hear your case. And you give him more money and he may decide in your favor. And he's not blind to his capabilities. So he has the power with a verdict, just with a word. He has the power to change people's lives for the good, but he absolutely refuses. So he's every victim's worst nightmare. And he personifies the, the, the type of twisted justice that the Old Testament prophets railed against. And he reminds us how evil can cloak itself in judicial robes. That's the judge. And then there's the lady. So, so the one who has practically all power is in the same arena as the one who has no power. She has no power. No power, no money. She's a widow. She's a widow. She's, so, and she's living in a, in a male-dominated culture, and the only male who could represent her or advocate for her is dead. So she has no representation. She has no voice. For all practical purposes, she's invisible in her world. And she waits. Every day she waits. She shows up. For the judge to try her case. Every day she gets in line. Every day she's within sight of this judge. Every day while she's waiting and while he's listening to other cases, there she is. She makes herself seen. And between cases, between cases, she makes herself known. She yells, give me justice against my adversary. Give me justice against my adversary. And the point is that she's in the right. She's been wronged and she wants justice, perhaps restitution, perhaps money, perhaps property. We don't know. We just know that she needs it. And frankly, she deserves it. But she's without. She has no money, no power, no resources, no influence, no clout. But she has one thing. Grit. She's a widow with grit. Grit. Grit, gr grit is that steely resolve which refuses to quit. Grit. Uh, uh, grit is more about stamina than it is intensity. Grit is more about persistence than intelligence. Uh, Angela Duckworth has written a book, She's an author and speaker. She's written a book called Grit. Grit, the, the power of passion and perseverance. I like how she defines grit. Grit is about working on something you care about so much that you're willing to stay loyal to it. 
And that's her. That's this widow. Give me justice against my adversary. Give me justice against my adversary. I mean, she just is not going to quit. She's a, she's a lady with grit. Yeah, yeah. And then after a while, you might ask, well, why didn't, why, why didn't they just shoo her away? Why didn't, the, why didn't the, 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 the guards just shoo her away? Well, according to one scholar, Kenneth Bailey, <laughs> it's because... That culture was so male-dominated and so patriarchal that their chauvinism saw her as comedic relief. Oh, there's the crazy mag lady again. Just ignore her. If a guy had done that, the guards would have dealt with it immediately. But to them, she was harmless amusement. Or so they thought. Or so they thought. Verse 4 says, For a while... He refused for a while. <laughs> now one day the judge, and I don't know when he had this epiphany, but one day the judge realized she's not going away. Uh, I'm, she's not going, she's at the gates. She's there at the court. She's in the city. She, 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 you know, he, he, he walks down the street and, and he kind of catches her out of the corner of his eye. He goes to the market to buy groceries after work, you know, and, and, and he kind of gets a feeling he's being watched. He turns around, there she is. Glances out the window of his house and she's staring at him from across the street. He wakes up at three in the morning. He's, he's been dreaming about her. She's not going away. He can't get rid of her. This, this widow keeps bothering me. Verse 5. Yeah. Oh, no, it's worse. Oh, no, it's worse. No, it's worse. Literally, 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 literally. She keeps punching me below the eye. She keeps giving me a black eye. She keeps, she keeps, hupo piazzo, hupo piazzo. She's beating me down by continually coming to me first thing in the morning, all day, at lunch. I'm at Jimmy John's, and I can't get away from her. I go, I go to North Prospect, and there she is, and I'm driving home, and I look out inside of my car, there she is. She just is not going away. Oh my goodness, don't miss the humor of all of this. The judicial courtroom has now become a boxing arena where the high and mighty, shameless and fearless judge is getting cornered by the thrashing and pummeling and pounding of the least powerful person in society. And finally, at last, I mean, after keep beating him and beating him, and he's giving the Rocky Balboa, cut me, man, cut me, you're going to have to cut me, I can't see. Finally, finally, the towel gets thrown in. Okay, 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 pay her. Just go away. Verse 6, and the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Pay attention to the judge. What do we learn about God from the judge? Answer? Well, if you want something from God, just browbeat him day in and day out and annoy him and nag him and pester him and plead with him and beg him and berate him and, and wear him down and wear him out until he finally says enough. <laughs> 
off. Go away. Here, you can have it. Now just go, right? Wrong. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. This is, look up here, this is important. <laughs> Please. This is a negative comparison parable. A negative comparison parable. Jesus, Jesus' point is not that God is like the judge. His point is that God is not like the judge. God, God is not unrighteous. God is not corrupt. God is not crooked. God is not inconsistent. God is not partial. God is not like that judge. But if a crooked and corrupt judge can be moved to render justice to a poor, voiceless, invisible widow for his own good. See, he didn't do it for her good, did he? He did it for his own good. How much more then will our God, who is the righteous, impartial, incorruptible, and graciously good judge, and not just a judge, but a father, how much more, how much more will your father respond to you when you cry out to him day and night for your good, you see, so that you can persevere when you're at your quitting point. So prayer to this God is the pathway to persevering faith. God, your Father, is no corrupt judge. And you're no bag lady either. Who are you in this parable? What did Jesus say? Verse 7. To his what? What's it say? Elect. Elect. Oh, man. You're the elect. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to his good purpose and will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he's blessed us in the beloved. Paul goes on to say that in him we have redemption. In Him, we have adoption. In Him, we have the forgiveness of sins. In Him, we have the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance in the new heavens and the new earth. You're no bag lady. You are the adopted child of the King of the universe. Yes, God is our good, good Father, and we are His beloved in Christ. That's who He is, and that's who you are. Now, will you let that reality dominate your heart so that your prayer life will propel you in your season of perseverance? Because when you start focusing on God and who He is and His goodness and His beauty and His intentions for you, then you will grasp 
what at least is to me the most difficult word in this parable. And that's the word in verse 8. It's the word speedily. Speedily. You see, speedily refers to God's time zone, not mine. This afternoon when your favorite team is ahead by one point and there's only two minutes left in the game, time's going to crawl. But if your favorite team is behind by one point with two minutes left, it's going to fly. See, it's about perspective, isn't it? Huh? Time crawls for the toddler compared to the parent. And our perception of time is different from the Lord. It just is. It is. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9 say, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness. But He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So, so church, you pray, you pray, and never lose heart. He will come. He will come through. He will. So, so keep coming before the Lord. Keep praying for justice. It's, it's no secret that this parable is about seeking justice on behalf of those with no voice. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep praying so that you'll be able to endure because this world is still populated by rascals who neither fear God nor respect human life. Keep seeking God. Keep worshiping. Keep being in the company of believers. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep worshiping in community. Keep asking. Keep serving. Keep giving. Oh, church, that we would never have just a transactional faith where we're just thinking, well, I'm, I'm doing all these religious activities for God, and God's going to listen. That's a recipe for disappointment. It is. Elizabeth Elliot, who, who endured so much darkness and, and death and discouragement in her life came to this conclusion. God is God. And I dethrone Him in my heart when I demand that He act in ways that satisfy my idea of justice. It, look, if a vulnerable widow can cry out to a corrupt judge, because she's convinced that even a corrupt judge can make things right, how much more then can we who are the elect children of the kingdom cry out to our good, good Father, knowing and trusting that He will make good on His promise for us? Listen, listen. Prayer is not about us trying to change God's reluctant mind. No, prayer is laying hold of His good, pleasing, and perfect will for us. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says this. He says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't have to try to... to, to to, to wrench the kingdom away from God's hand. 
God doesn't have a white knuckle grip on the gifts he wants to give. It's his good pleasure. He has joy in giving you the kingdom. And in Christ, you have it already. You don't have to survive this world. Because God's making a new world. Let me just stop right here and, and help us learn how to pray. When you pray, open your Bible and pray through a passage of Scripture just like this. A verse, a paragraph, or a chapter. Right? For instance, verse 1. Oh Lord, help me to always pray to you and help me to never quit. Help me to never quit my faith. Help me to never quit my degree program. Help me never to quit my relationships. Just, Lord, as far as you can empower me and with your good, pleasing, and perfect will, help me to, 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 to always pray and not lose heart. Verses 2 through 6. Oh, Lord, you are so much more than this judge. You are righteous and pure and holy and incorruptible and beautiful and brilliant. And, oh, God, in Christ, you have made me so much more than this widow. In Christ, I am, I am the elect. In Christ, I am chosen. In Christ, I am redeemed. In Christ, I am rescued and adopted and secure. In Christ, I am holy, not by my works or acts, but by your grace and your mercy. You see? You see? And, and, and so, God, now then, please help me. Give me. Grant me. And no matter what happens, no matter what happens with my problem, with my conflict, with my health, with my country, with my job, no matter what happens, oh God, help me be faithful. See, grit, grit. It's about working on something you care about so much that you're willing to stay loyal to it. God, I care about you so much by your strength and by your grace. I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere, God. I'm going to trust you no matter what, because, because joy comes in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you that you will give justice. That's verse 8, isn't it? I tell you, he will give justice to them. He will, in this life or the next. In this, you will be healed in this life or the next you will be restored in this life or the next you will be vindicated in this life or the next church family god is good for it he's not going to cheat you yeah nevertheless verse 8 when the son of man comes will he find literally the faith on earth what Where'd that come from? Oh, now it's time to talk about the context, right? We've talked about the big idea, the point. We've talked about the content. Now, now the context. See, every parable's in a context. And to get the context, you just need to go back up to Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 37. And in this passage here that precedes this parable, Jesus taught that after his death, burial, and resurrection, he would ascend to the heavenly realm where he would rule at his Father's right hand. But that's not all. No, no, no. 
Now, Jesus promised, and his promise is peppered all throughout scriptures. He promised a coming day called the day. And on that day, the heavenly realm and the earthly realm will come together. The visible and invisible realms will unite in Jesus Christ. He will make all things new. Sin will be eradicated. Satan will be defeated. And death will die. And we will reign with him. That's right. Our destiny is a resurrected body on a resurrected earth worshiping and serving the resurrected Christ. And so when that day comes, and it will come, church family, it will. When that day appears, when the Son of Man appears in His glory, how will He find His elect? Will He find them forlorn and downcast? Or will He find them feisty and faithful? See, we started this sermon wondering how and when God's going to respond. But really, the challenge of the parable is this. How are we going to respond? Our good, good Father met the demands of justice by putting His Son on the cross for our sins. And Jesus received justice for my sins so that I can be forgiven and acquitted. And in the fullness of time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to receive the sentence for my moral crimes against Him. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And in His death and burial and resurrection, God in Christ accomplished on my behalf, on our behalf, what we could never do by ourselves. God gave Jesus the justice due me so that I might become an heir by grace. And one of these days, that's going to be extended to my body so that body, soul, and spirit we come as a new creation in Christ and it's already started Jesus says now you just trust me to the end and why would God do this for us sole reason here it is love love why does God love Randy because God loves Randy Love destroyed the penalty of sin. Love is destroying the power of sin. And love will one day destroy the very presence of sin. So you keep praying. Prayer is the pathway to persevering faith. You you can never bother God in prayer because you're not a bother. He's not an unjust judge. And you're not a bag lady. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a, can you fathom a feisty congregation full of fervor and hope and intensity and passion? A, a congregation firmly convinced that God is good, they are loved, and in Christ they are the elect chosen by Him. Not, not, not the elect in any sense of superiority, but in the, in the sense of awe over God's love and that his love is absolute and firm God will make good and we can't lose and you may say well I don't want to trouble him with my small thing you know what with God there is no big thing it's all small (laughs) is anything too hard for the Lord well what would a congregation of hearts 
filled with persistent, gritty, feisty believers do in our community. We send out here, and when we pray our benediction, we go out to the university, we go to Parkland, we go to Champaign and Urbana schools and the hospitals, to your neighborhood, in your home. Feisty faith with immovable hope that Jesus, the Son of Man, will one day make things, all things right. In this life, in the life to come. Oh, church, may Christ return to find the faith in us. Faith is the furnace. Grace is the fuel. And prayer is the shovel that keeps scooping that fuel into the furnace. Amen? In the name of Jesus, keep praying and never lose heart. Amen? God, we love you. Thank you for your encouragement. Some of us came here ready to quit today. But you're going to give us the strength to keep going. Another day. Another day. Give us this day our daily bread. And we're going to sleep under your sovereign, watchful care. And then you're going to take care of us tomorrow. And we're going to be entering into meetings and conversations this week. But Lord, remind us uh, that we're your flock and it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We don't go in by ourselves. We go to those meetings as heirs of a coming reality. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray and the church said, amen.